Hello, and welcome to the Once Again Podcast. We are your hosts, Ashley and Jason. In this episode, we'll be looking at the 1986 film, The Great Mouse Detective. In this series, we won't be doing a deep analysis of the film or giving a bunch of behind-the-scenes facts, but rather giving our impressions of the overall film and the songs from the film. We'll also be giving a score to the film and ranking the songs. So eliminate the impossible, and whatever remains, however improbable, must be true. And enjoy this episode. I tried to come up with something clever, but... Oh, I like it. Yeah, it wasn't... Not as funny as some of mine have been in the past, uh, but... It's kind of hard here. Yeah. Unless you want to talk about a clockwork... <laughs> yeah. Where your clockwork mouse, mouse queen. Yeah. So get uh, Scrooge McMouse to, <laughs> to build you a... What the... Oh, my chair is moving on its own. Interesting. Okay, well... The Great Mouse Detective, also known as The Adventures of the Great Mouse Detective for its 1992 theatrical re-release, which is something I want to talk about, and Basil, The Great Mouse Detective in Some Countries, is a 1986 American animated mystery adventure film and the 26th Disney animated feature film. Based on the children's book series Basil of Baker Street by Eve Titus and Paul Galdon, it draws heavily on the tr- tradition of Sherlock Holmes with a heroic mouse who conscientiously emulates the detective. Titus named the main character after actor Basil Rathbone, who is best remembered for playing Holmes in 14 films from 1935 to 1945. Sherlock Holmes also mentions Basil as one of his aliases in the Arthur Conan Doyle story, The Adventure of Black Pete. The Great Mouse Detective was released to theaters on July 2nd, 1986 to positive reviews and financial success. In sharp contrast to the box office underperformance of Disney's previous animated feature film, The Black Cauldron. The budget for the movie was $14 million, or $38 million today, and the box office was $38.7 million, or $105.3 million today. During the film's initial theatrical release, The film was accompanied with the short Clock Cleaners. I believe that's a Mickey Mouse short, although I'm not 100% positive on that. I would assume it is. Back then, that's what they pretty much all were, so... Following the theatrical re-release in February 1992, the film was released on VHS and Laserdisc in July of 1992 as part of the Walt Disney (laughs) Classic Series. It was placed into moratorium on April 30th, 1993. It was released again on VHS on August 3rd, 1999, with a game sheet inside as part of a contest, and on DVD in 2002 with a short making-of featurette. In the United Kingdom, it was first released on VHS in 1992, followed by the re-release in 1993 and 1995. A Mystery in the Mist edition of The Great Mouse Detective was released on DVD on April 13th, 2010, and on Blu-ray disc on October October 9th, 2012. Unlike previous home media releases, which all used the 1992 reissue title print, The Adventures of the Great Mouse Detective, this DVD restored the original 1986 title card, which had previously not been seen since the original 1986 release. The DVD also has the film in its 1.78 to 1 widescreen aspect ratio, which brings it closer to its original theatrical aspect ratio. The Blu-ray was finally released in in the United Kingdom on November 9th, 2015, and released in France on Blu-ray on October 20th, 2015. Directed by John Musker, Ron Clements, Dave Meichner, 
and Bernie Mattinson. Story by Pete Young, Vance Jerry, Steve Hewlett, Ron Clements, John Musker, Bruce M. Orris, Matthew O'Callaghan, Bernie Mattinson, Dave Meichner, Melvin Shaw. Based on Basil of Baker Street by Eve Titus and Paul Gadam. Produced by Bernie Mattinson. Edited by Roy M. Brewer Jr. and James Melton. Music by Henry Mancini. Production company Walt Disney Pictures, Walt Disney Feature Animation, and Silver Screen Partners. Distributed by Buena Vista Distribution. The runtime is 74 minutes. Starring Barry Ingham as Basil of Baker Street. Ingham also plays Bartholomew. Vincent Price as Radigan. Val Betton as David Q. Dawson. Suzanne Politakshek as Olivia Flaversham. Candy Candido as Fidget. Candido also plays the reprobate at the bar. Alan Young as Hiram Flaversham. Diana Chesney as Mrs. Judson, Basil's housekeeper. Eve Brenner as Mouse Queen. Basil Rathbone as Sherlock Holmes. And Laurie Maine as Dr. Watson. Yeah, uh, interestingly that the Basil Rathbone, uh, it was just, he had already passed away. And they used clips of his voice from uh, the Sherlock Holmes films to put it in there. Love um, it. Yeah. But uh, if you listened, happened to listen to our Jane Eyre episode, I've, I kind of enjoyed the way that we <laughs> recap that more than the way that we've been traditionally recapping these these stories. So we're just kind of, I, I have my notes here, but I figure we can kind of just go through it. Go with the flow. Yeah, with, with our memories of what happens. So I guess we start off in the 19th century London, almost yes. 20th century. And uh, we start off with uh, Hiram Flaversham and uh, and it, Olivia Flaversham, and yeah, it's her birthday. It is, and her daughter. We see that her father is a toy maker, and he gives his daughter this beautiful dancing ballerina, ballerina mouse, which moves beautifully. Like it is very well animated. Yes. That little mouse that dances. Yeah, but uh, things get spoiled because out comes, uh, what was his name? Uh, Fidget. Fidget. Yeah, out comes Fidget to kidnap the father and leave. Fidget is terrifying, and why are there so many bats that are animated that are just creepy as hell looking? Not Bardock. Bardock's yeah. cute. I think Fidget's cute. He's just, uh, and he, he he needs a different, you know, he if he didn't work for Radigan, if he like was in a different line of work, he would be a great it's character. It's just that he works for Radigan. Yeah, I, I, I want, you know, Fidget paraphernalia i think he's i think he's cute uh i would like a fidget spinner if i, so, I was a trying fidget to figure, spinner a fidget yeah i was trying to figure out some way to work that joke a in fidget but, toy fidget yeah anyway he kidnaps the father leaves olivia there uh, a very sad way to start off this movie you know we, we have this little girl and then we cut to dawson arriving home to england uh he's been away at ala watson yeah just like watson he's been away at, at war in afghanistan uh, because, you know, whether it's England or the United States, someone always has to be invading Afghanistan. Always. Um, but he, uh, he, he's, he's come home and he f- sees Olivia. He hears her crying and he, and he's like, my dear, what's wrong? Where are your parents? And she starts crying more and he's like, okay, oh, okay, okay. Well, and then she wants to get to Basil of Baker Street and she, he's going to take her there. Yeah. He says, I don't know who this Basil is, but I do know where Baker Street is and takes her there. And we meet. Uh, what was her name? Mrs. Mrs. Judson. Mrs. Judson, who's a stand-in for 
I think it's just Mrs. Hudson in, yes, uh, I think in so, Sherlock I Holmes. That one, that one's the most one-to-one, I guess. Yeah, I guess. they one-to-one that. <laughs> yeah, uh, just one little uh, change. She's, uh, the know, landlady. She's, yeah, she's what you expect, too. Yeah. Like, well, we do get a, a brief snippet of... We see Sherlock and Watson at the window discussing... They're silhouettes, yes. at least. We see them discussing a case. and Which is something that I love about this movie, is that all the mouse people live where the human people live. <laughs> like, the Sherlock Holmes of mousedom lives where sherlock holmes does the, the queen, queen, uh, <laughs> queen yeah yeah yes. it just makes me laugh although i'm quite certain moriarty didn't live in a in a beer barrel i could be wrong about that he, i believe he's a college professor but so maybe he yes. did i don't know they get there and they're like all right well let's wait for basil to arrive and basil comes in and an outfit that I don't think we're going to discuss too heavily. Oh my <laughs> god, that was awful, but also terrifying yeah. at the same time. At least he doesn't say anything. Like, this is a Disney no, movie. He, Still of that time period. Yes, he did not say anything. <laughs> yeah, he, he just looked crazy. Yeah, he could have had some sort of terrible accent. That would but here's with... the thing, I'm pretty sure that Sherlock Holmes, like, in the story, is dressed like that at some point, I'm sure. Oh, like... I, I remember Robert Downey Jr.'s Sherlock Holmes in, in his movies dressing up as ridiculous characters as well. Yeah, so I I get it, because it was trying to be like, look, he can really change himself. Yeah. Like, I do get Which, I, since I brought it up already, I have to say, I think this is the most accurate Sherlock Holmes depiction I've ever seen. Yes, it's a mouse, but I, I for the Sherlock Holmes character... Like, it's, Robert Downey Jr.'s is good, but they, whenever an actor portrays Sherlock Holmes, it seems like Hollywood revolves it around that actor. Like, Robert Downey Jr. is a former drug addict, so his Sherlock Holmes is a drug addict. Uh, Bender Dick Cumberbatch is weird and, <laughs> um, you know, yeah, a little it's, strange. Yeah, it's never so a blending how, of all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, this is, in my opinion, the best depiction of Sherlock Holmes. Uh, I've, I've read a couple different Sherlock Holmes novels. Um, I do have a problem with his Moriarty, but we'll get into that a little bit later. And Miss Olivia tries to get Sherlock to take the case, and he's not interested whatsoever. He's, of course. Yeah, he's doing his own little experiments to presumably... Which I think is, you know, I, I would expect that of real Sherlock, too, to be like, a child. Yeah, yeah. And eventually, when she reveals that Fidget was the man who kidnapped her father, that's when he becomes interested. Because... Yeah, because he's like, oh, that's Radigan's, like, person, like... Yeah, he knows. That's who he's... I think that's who the gun experiment was about anyway. He was trying to catch Radigan, because yes. he's like, I was so close this time, blah, blah, yes. blah. And... Oh. So he, he agrees to take the case, and... I guess it just cuts to Radigan, yeah. and he's... And we get our first view of Radigan, yeah. who is definitely a little scary. Yeah, oh, uh, he's a little scary here. He's absolutely terrifying at the end of the oh, film. Oh, I know. Um, and I think here, the way that he's dressed and the way that he behaves, I think he's an inspiration for, um, what's his name, Radcliffe in the Pocahontas oh, movies? Oh, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, he kind of reminded me of Radcliffe a lot. And Very Radcliffe-y, yeah. And then at the end of the movie, he reminded me of the Beast <laughs> um, a lot. But we'll get, we'll get there when we get there. He uh, has kidnapped Olivia's father, and he's forcing him to build something. We don't know exactly what it is, but it's a giant mechanical machine, of some, mm -hmm. a, a human or mouse-sized machine. Yeah. And Hyrun's uh, like, no, I'm not going to do this. this. And he spills tea or whatever all over it. And Radigan's like, okay, you don't have to do it, but let me go get your daughter and see if she wants you to build it. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll do it. Don't don't get my daughter. And he goes into 
this bar, presumably, mm-hmm. that where he also lives, I guess. And his men are there. Um, which, in doing a little bit of research for this, I found out that the lizard that's in his crew is Bill the Lizard from Alice in Wonderland. Oh, weird. Yeah, yeah I didn't I, I didn't pick up on that, but it was just one of the trivia notes that I saw. And I was like, oh, that, that is interesting. And then they sing The World's Greatest Criminal Mind. Um, oh, my God. And it's performed by Vincent Price with music and lyrics by Ellen Fitzhugh, Larry Grossman, and Henry... Machini, and I wrote down that the song itself is good, and the only one I remembered before rewatching the film. But the small break slash the cat feeding part is a little unnecessary to have in the middle of the song, and I gave it a five out of ten. I agree, yeah. but uh, I do remember this song very well. Like this is one of the things I think about when I think about this movie. So I gave it a six out of ten, but it's not like. Yeah, it's not classic. It's not great. We're getting to that Disney villain song era. We're like, getting there. Yeah, We're yeah. almost there. Yeah. Um, but you know, I guess we should mention he's voiced by Vincent Price, and I very much enjoy Vincent Price's performance here. But for me, it's not Moriarty. As good as I think Basil's Holmes is, I disagree very much with Radigan's Moriarty because he's not intelligent like Moriarty no, is. No, no, he's not. But I think that's also supposed to be like. Rats are not intelligent, like... That's true, I hadn't... But, like, for me, it's... The thing that was dangerous about Moriarty was that he was never involved in the crime. Like, no one knew who he was. Like, he was just this college professor that was this brilliant criminal. Yeah, like, he would never... Like, he might kidnap the queen and do all that stuff, but he would never pronounce himself in charge. He'd sit back and be like, well, now I'm in charge. Yeah, he he would find some member of the royal family who he could manipulate... To do the plan to take over from the queen and everything like that. And then just be whispering. He'd be the Jafar. He'd be whispering in his ear. Yeah. Like, oh, da 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 Exactly. Um, the advisor. Yeah. But then we cut back to Basil and Dawson and Olivia. And uh, Fidget shows up and tries to kidnap Olivia. Uh, because Radigan has given him... Oh, I guess I've, I've skipped over the cat feeding scene. Uh, Radigan has this giant cat who works... Well, just a normal-sized cat, I guess. Felicia. And uh, she works for him, and he feeds her one of his men, which another trivia (coughs) note was that it was uh, Bartholomew that was fed to him, and the reason they named that character that was because in a Vincent Price movie in the 50s, uh, one of the horror movies that he did, he fed um, a man that worked for him to a tiger, I think, or something Mm -hmm. like that, and that character's name was Bartholomew. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, I like that. They did a little thing there. But then we cut back to... Uh, I was about to say Watson. We cut back to Basil Dawson and Olivia, and I forget exactly what's happening. Uh... Well, Fidget's stealing stuff when they go to inspect what, what's going on with the toy store. So yeah, but don't doesn't Fidget show up at the house first to try to kidnap Olivia? Oh yeah, she he like looks in and sees her, but nothing like crazy happens. Yeah, like, but there's they, nothing. They get his hat, and that's how they use Holmes's mm-hmm. dog Toby to track Fidget down to the toy store. Yes. And they're in the. Which is funny that he owns a dog, but. Yeah. Uh, I think it's actually Watson's dog, if I remember correctly. So they're in the toy store, and we get a little Dumbo uh, cameo. We do. And we see him as a toy. And I wrote down here song with the question mark and Fidget's few lines about getting everything that he needed. There was no music, but I gave it a three out of ten. I didn't know. I did not write it down, but I will give it a three out of ten as well. I finally got one over you. Oh, man. Listen, after after the Aristocats with George's songs and everybody, I I was like, I finally have one. All right. And that'll be the end of my ranking every song that's in it now. Um, Uh, You're 
are so funny. But so, uh, they try to they try to catch Fidget, but he manages to escape. Uh, he also manages to kidnap Olivia in the whole ordeal yes, and everything. Yes, he does. And uh, Basil and Dawson find his list of things that he needed to get that Radigan gave him. I just uh, want to say, by the way, Olivia is adorable and I love her and would die for Olivia. She's so cute. Yeah, she, she's the cutest little thing. Uh, do you? Uh, let me ask you this. Do you feel... Because um, these are more anthropomorphic mice than we had in... Uh, the rescuers. Yeah. Which design do you like better? Do you like these design of mice or do you like the this one better? This design definitely. better. Okay. Yeah, I feel that way too. But I also feel like there's some room for a crossover there. I although the I guess crossover Mises. I guess. Mm, no, I guess it couldn't really work because the rescuers would be about fifty years after this takes yeah. place, really. So it would be a very very old Basil and Dawson oh, that Basil. Because, like, the thing about the whole thing about this having been jokes on you, they started the rescue aid society. Possibly, the, the whole no, it was it was started by that mouse that pulled the thorn out of the lion's paw. That's who started it, you liar! Don't don't you do this to me. Um, but the one of the reasons that this was renamed the Adventures of the Great Mouse Detective was because they were thinking about doing a TV show off of it when like Toon Disney was a thing. And that's why there was also a 1992 re-release to be like, and but the re-release didn't do as well as the original release. Interesting. So they were like, mm, maybe not a TV. But like, I would like more of this. Like, I, I would have loved this. Yeah, I think there's room for sequels or, or whatever. I think this would have been like great a la DuckTales. Like... Yeah, agreed. Agreed. The Rescuers Down Under, you know, Basil and, and Dawson take an adventure to Australia too or something. <laughs> I don't exactly. know. Um, but, oh, and also... Uh, I'm trying to remember. This was released the same year as Don Bluth's um, An American Tale. And evidently, um, An American Tale did way better than this, even though this did well in the box office. It doesn't surprise me because... It's An American Tale. But it doesn't surprise <laughs> me because everyone loves An American Tale, correct? Yeah, right. Like, when you think of, like, movies, like, I, there, nobody knows The Mouse Detective, necessarily. Like, it's a very underrated movie. Yeah. Like, I love it. Yeah, this was one of my personal favorites Like, this definitely kid. is what gave me my, like, love of uh, Sherlock Holmes. So, yeah. like, I love this film, but, like, I'm very well aware it's underrated. Not many people know of it. So, mm. like, of course. Like, uh, you know, of course American Tale did better. Yeah. Also, I guarantee you if somebody's like, well, that mouse movie, they're talking about American Tale. They're not talking about The Rescuers. No. not talking about The Great Mouse Detective. They're talking about American Tale. They're yeah. talking about American Tale. They're I, talking about Fievel. I would agree. Who is also a cute mouse. Yeah. But I like Olivia more. Yeah, Olivia's very cute. Hey, Fievel. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyway, let's, let's get back into the plot. So Basil does some experiments to find out information from the list and in his Sherlock Holmes way. And he deduces that it could have only come from a certain location because there's salt water on it and blah, blah, blah. And he narrows it down to exactly where Radigan and his men are stationed. Because of course he does. Yeah, because he's Sherlock Holmes and he does a ridiculous Because he's Sherlock Massey. Yeah, and he doesn't have... In typical uh, Arthur Conan Doyle style, he doesn't really have to explain how any of it works. He just does it and it works out. Exactly. Um, the only difference between this and a true Arthur Conan Doyle story is that uh, Radigan doesn't make a full confession at the end and, no. and get taken to jail. <laughs> that's, that's the only difference. But him and Dawson go to find Olivia and everything and stop Radigan. 
and they end up being there 15 minutes later than Radigan expected them to show up, but they're 15 minutes later than he expected, so he can't stay. He manages to tie up and capture Basil and Dawson, and he sets them up in this ridiculous death trap because him and Basil are mortal enemies, and he's always fantasized about killing. Uh, uh... Oh, I completely skipped a part, didn't I? No, not really. You... They, you know, they go to the tavern and they get caught. Cause... But there's a song there and I skipped it. I skipped over oh, okay. it. Yeah. Because there's the song, Let Me Be Good to You, sung by uh, Melissa Manchester, who also wrote the music and lyrics. Another fun trivia note about this was that they were originally going to get Madonna to sing it. Oh. Yeah, but they didn't feel like her voice fit the time period that it was supposed to Makes take sense. place in. Yeah. It would have been interesting, though. Yeah, it would have been very interesting. And it also, this movie, it, like... She seems like she's going to be an important character because she's a sexy mouse. Like, yeah, they, like, I always remember feeling that way. Like, oh, she's going to like, like a Bond girl almost going to show up. Something like, like that. Like, you yeah. think they're going to like come back as like a Bond girl and then it doesn't happen. No, but I wrote down it's another good song, but it has a break in, in it too for the narrative. Albeit this break is much shorter and I gave it a 6.5, uh, 6 out of 10. And I wrote that I'm surprised I haven't seen this song on TikTok yet. Like, you know, you think... You make a good point about the TikTok thing. Yeah. <laughs> 7 out of 10. Yeah. I like it, but, you know. Um, and, in fact, another little trivia note was that it was supposed... It was almost cut from the movie because they thought it was too adult to be in a Disney movie. Um, but the... I forget. The director, the animation sequencer... I forget who it was. But they argued that it's a cabaret song, it's harmless in lyrics, and that it was a mouse singing it, therefore it couldn't really be sexual. It's not a human, it's I a mean, mouse. I mean, Five Will Goes West has plenty of uh, sexy cabaret micey songs, so... Uh, I don't really remember Five Will Goes West. Like, I, I, that is the one thing I remember about Five Will movies, is those scenes, which I think is so funny, because I don't remember anything else about Five Will movies. Similar to The Rescuers and, and The Rescuers Down Under, and as a child I remember preferring the sequel... I remember preferring Five Will Goes West more than the original An American Tale. I think same thing, because it was sad. The first one's sad, and the second one's like, yay, a fun adventure. Um, <laughs> but I don't I don't really remember much about Five Will Goes West. So anyway, they get captured. Fidget comes in, lures them to follow him to Radigan's real mm-hmm. lair. Uh, they get captured, set up in this ridiculous trap, and... Um, Basil is basically given up. He's like, no, you know, like, I'm done. I'm uh, he, Radigan won. This is it. And we have the song Goodbye So Soon, sung by Vincent Price. And it's just, I wrote down that it's just Radigan glo- <laughs> gloating over Basil. It's okay, but nothing special. Five out of ten. Four out of ten. No? You're right. Yeah. It's just him gloating. Yeah. It, it is great to have Vincent Price singing it, because he just has that perfect voice for gloat, like, mm-hmm. goodbye. <laughs> so, but... It, but I forget what the exact line is that Basil says to, um, or that uh, Dawson says to Basil, but it makes him snap out of it. He's like, oh, like, yes, you're right. And he does some quick calculations, some <laughs> ridiculous Sherlock Holmes calculations in his head. And, and they all get out. Yeah, they, they escape. And they arrive. Um, Radigan has kidnapped the queen, and he's going to have um, Fidget feed her to Felicia. And he has he reveals that he has a robot queen that he had um, Flabbersham build for him. And the robot queen comes out and is like, oh, I've taken a new consort. Um, which is, consort means what I think it means, right? Yes. Like lover? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so what I also think is so funny is like, and this is like, these are the sections that make me go. And now we've gotten so far from Sherlock Holmes plot. Like the robot queen is like, a, 
And now we know we're watching an animated movie about mice and yeah. not a Sherlock Holmes film. Yeah, exactly. Because um, science is barely... Well, Sherlock does science in the Sherlock Holmes like books and stuff like that, but... But it's not robotics. No, yeah. Um, we ain't doing robotics at this time. But she announces that Radigan is her new consort, and he has some decrees that he's going to make, which includes taxing the sick, the poor, and children. Like, I was, wow, this guy's harsh. Like, you'd think, like, you'd start off easy, like, you'd get the people on your side, but no, right from the get-go. He's running a dictatorship, okay? Yeah. And eventually, uh, Basil and Dawson get there, and they stop Radigan's men, and, you know, we get a fun little scene of the queen. She's saying how great Radigan is, and then all of a sudden she starts saying he's a disgusting, slimy rat, and Radigan's like, what? what is going on? And he looks back, and he sees that, uh, Basil is now controlling the robot and everything. Um, but Radigan makes his escape uh, with Fidget helping him. He's on a little... Dirigible, um, yeah, is what um, they called okay, it. Okay, I was going to say, like almost like a Zeppelin, but yeah, not exactly. Yeah, it's a dirigible, which is what yeah. a Zeppelin is. So a Zeppelin. Okay. And I love that Fidget's, like, <laughs> pedaling it. Like, this little tiny... <laughs> and uh, Radigan's managed to kidnap Olivia as he was making his escape. And they're all on, on the Zeppelin. Uh, and home, uh, Holmes, and Basil, Dawson, and uh, Flabersham decide we're gonna we're gonna get them, and they make this little balloon thing that gets them up there, and they're chasing after them, and eventually, uh, the Zeppelin crashes into Big Ben. Uh, after Radigan throws Fidget off, with which Fidget can't fly, he has a bad wing, and he drowns in the River Thames, presumably, because <laughs> um, he falls Poor into it. Fidget. Yeah. So Radigan's a jerk. Yeah. We don't, this is why we don't work for the bad guys. Yeah. And Radigan crashes into Big Ben. And uh, it leads to a really well done... This was the first like major CGI thing mm-hmm. that Disney did. They did a little CGI in uh, The Black Cauldron with like the dead... Uh, yeah. The Cauldron Born coming yes. back and everything. But this was like the first real scene, and it still holds up. I think it. I think it's this, a great scene. Yeah, that. But also, we were talking about like Radigan is scary at the end of this. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on at the end of this. But I, I think the clock tower scene, if it came out today, it still hold. Like, it looks like today's animation, in it my does. opinion. Like, it like, it looks great. But Basil and Radigan are fighting inside the clock tower, and eventually leads to them fighting outside the clock tower. And they're on the one arm, and it strikes ten, and they both fall, presumably to their death. Uh, with a terrifying Radigan. Uh, he's like, all his clothes are, fine clothes are gone and everything, and he's just a rabid uh, rat now. He looks nothing like a mouse. And everyone's like, oh no, they're both dead. And then Basil makes his way back up with the propeller from the Zeppelin, and uh, the queen throws them a party and, like, knights them or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, uh... Well, you know, that's also supposed to be the famous Moriarty and Sherlock scene of them f- going over the falls and both of them dying, but really, Holmes but, is alive. Well, there, there's two things. One, Doyle was sick of writing Sherlock Holmes stories so mm-hmm. in real in the real world, so that's why he killed Holmes, because he was like, oh, if I kill him, I'll never have to write another Sherlock Holmes book. Which is not what happened. No, but, we, well, because the English public, like, freaked out about it. Like, they were wearing black armbands for Sherlock Holmes and everything. Like, this fictional <laughs> character... And, like, we're, all the time, we're like, no, you gotta bring him back. He had to have survived. But two, uh, Sherlock essentially kills himself and Moriarty in it because he can't think of a way to beat Moriarty. He's like, this guy is so dangerous and I can't outthink him. 
oh wait, I know one way that I can outthink them. I'll kill both of us. <laughs> like that. That's that. You know. That's why they go over the falls and everything like that. But so this is a little different because they like Basil doesn't grab Radigan and throw yeah. the, throw both of them over. They just both happen to fall. But back, uh, trying to think of what else happens back at uh, Baker Street. Basil, I'm just gonna dive into the summary. Basil and Dawson recount their adventure as well as the Queen's gratitude for saving her life. And after afterward, the Flaversham's leave, and Dawson figures it's time for him to leave as well. But the scene is interrupted by a distraught new client, which I thought that it was the same mouse from uh, opening, like, the, the song um, that sang the song mm-hmm. at the bar and everything, but it's not. It's a different mouse. Um, it's very similar, though. She does. And Basil then persuades Dawson to remain as his trusty associate, Dr. Dawson, with whom he does all of his cases. And then we have the end credits featuring a chorus singing goodbye so soon, and I wrote it's a good way to end the film, six out of ten. Yeah, it's a good way to end it. Six out of ten as well. Good song. Okay. So I have some trivia here. I don't know if there's anything else you want to discuss about the main film. or No, I mean, I think we got everything. Okay. Well, I wrote, before his death, Vincent Price said that the part of Radigan was his favorite role. Oh, yeah. interesting. Evidently. I mean, Radigan is, like, iconic. I know that I said that this movie isn't very, like, well-known, but, like, Radigan himself, iconic. Icon villain. Yeah. And, like I said, I think his posh design serves as like the basis for uh radcliffe later later in pocahontas and i feel like his because he's barrel chested he's huge very bulky he looks like the beast somewhat Mm -hmm. like obviously the beast never gets as scary as radigan does no but he kind of looks like him a little bit in my opinion and also evidently for a long time vincent price wanted to be in a disney movie like he was like, I want to be in a Disney. Let put me. In. And when he finally, like, he was just so gleeful to play Radigan. And the character was completely different originally. He was like this very thin, much more Moriarty like in design. Mm-hmm. And when they got Vincent Price, his over the top performance, they were like, well, he's so big, we have to make the character big. Like, so they physically made him larger. But also, you know, he's a rat. Like, he should be bigger than mice. He should are. be bigger <laughs> like, than the mice. Yeah. That's still my favorite is when they call him a rat and he gets so mad that mm. he's called a rat. But your name is Radigan. <laughs> like, it has rat in your name. Like, you're not Radigan. doing... Yeah, you're not doing a good oh, job of Radigan. Like, if if his name was Mousegan or something. Like, Mousegan. Mickeygan or something. Mickeygan. Yeah. Um, but this film uh, is sometimes considered by fans and animation historians to be the unofficial start of the of Disney's second golden age also known as the Disney Renaissance. This is mostly due to the fact that it saved Disney Animation Studios from going completely bankrupt at the time, and it should be noted that it did play a big impact on the Disney Renaissance as well. I, I would, I, like, this is the last, no, it's not the last one, but it, it's at the end of pre-Renaissance time. Like the, I would say that. Like, yeah. I, do, I get where they're coming from, but I don't know if I'd say it's the start. I think it's just the precursor to yeah. what is about to come, basically. For, for me... The We're un- moving towards the correct direction. Yeah. For me, the unofficial start is Oliver and Company. And I know we're eventually going to get... But I, I consider that to be Disney. That makes more sense. Big actors, Billy Joel singing the songs and stuff. Like, it's like... I think that makes more sense. Yeah. I think we're missing, like, just some key components. You're right, the song being one of them. Yeah. The film was the last animated Disney uh, Disney one to heavily use Jimmy McDonald's classic Disney cartoon sound effects. Though some later Disney films did use the sound effects for humorous moments, uh, most notably Aladdin. However, The Brave Little Toaster made one year later, albeit uh, not actually by 
uh, Walt Disney animation uh, feature animation was actually the last animated movie to use the Castle Thunder sound effect and a few remaining classic sounds uh, sound effects. Okay. While the film's script took roughly four years to develop, the animation only took one year to finish, thanks to the use of computers at the time. There's an interesting thing about... Um, evidently, at the time, with the computers, like the CGI animation, they still had to first hand-draw, like, the cogs for oh, makes the sense. clock tower. Makes sense. But then, like, they scanned it onto the computer, and then the computer could animate it at that point. Like, they had to draw all the different angles and everything. Yeah, but... Despite the fact that the film and the book it was based off of are considered parodies of Arthur Conan Doyle's novels involving the character Sherlock Holmes, this film is deeply beloved by Sherlock Holmes' fan base with its various similarities. See, that's that's not, like I'm. I think this is the most accurate depiction of Sherlock Holmes. No, I Holmes. agree. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very close. I have a problem with the Moriarty character, but I think Holmes. It's a hundred percent accurate. Uh, it was the last Disney animated feature. Uh, ever to be set in the United Kingdom. I never thought of that before. Where's the Little Mermaid set? I guess France, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Lion King's in Africa. Hercules is in Greece. Like, yeah, Mulan's in yeah. China. Nothing yeah. is really set in the United Kingdom yeah. from this point on. Treasure Planet. Treasure Planet's in space. <laughs> like, that's, Fascinating. Yeah. Never thought about that. Yeah. Atlantis is Atlantis. That's... Uh, Justice for the UK. Princess- Give them a new animated movie, Disney. Yeah. They've had some re- live-action remakes. You know, then, then, then they're okay. Um, let's see. Let me be good to you. Was orig- Oh, here it is. Was sung by Madonna. Blah blah blah. I already covered that. Uh, the film was originally company. Yep, I already covered that too. Da, 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 da. In some parts of Scandinavia, some of the film's content was considered by censors to be unsuitable for younger younger children. In Norway, the film is banned for children under 12, which led to Disney not doing a Norwegian dub. The studio also considered releasing it straight to video there, as there were no censorship restrictions on videotape at the time. Denmark censors requested 30 seconds of cut of cuts, while Finland and Sweden released it without any restrictions. So strange. Like, there's... I don't know. There's nothing inappropriate. In it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Radigan kills the character about... Oh, I already covered that, too. This film was the last Disney animated feature to star the late Candy uh, Candido, uh, which was released 13 years prior to his death in 1999. Interesting. Yeah, and the film was released the same year as Don Bluth's An American Tale. Both films revolve around mice in large cities searching for their family members and coming across a large cast of characters, but the plots do have some very noticeable differences. Yeah, and Siskel and Ebert had a higher opinion of American Tale than this film. That mm. figures. So let's go into our overall scores then. <clears throat> Ashley, would you like to go first, or do you want me to go first? I'll go first. Okay. Uh, I love this movie. It's definitely one of my like underrated favorites, to be honest. I'll watch this quite frequently. Mm. Like, not like all the time, but like once a year I will pull this up and watch it because I think it's a fun time. Uh, I remember always being scared of like Radigan. I think the animation holds up. And that its portrayal of the characters of, like, Sherlock really holds up as well. And I definitely think as a English major and a lover of literature that, like, this definitely started my love of Sherlock Holmes. So I love that for me and for what this does. So I would give this a 8 out of 10. Mm. Well, I wrote down that it's one of my childhood favorites, but watching it now I have to say that it's average. Don't get me wrong, I had a lot, a lot of nostalgic feelings come up while watching it. 
and I think it might be the best portrayal of the Sherlock Holmes character. However, the film is far from uh, perfect. One major criticism I have is the portrayal of Radigan. Not Vincent Price, I loved hearing his voice. I mean, the way his character was written. Clearly, he was supposed to be the Moriarty to Basil's Holmes, but he's nothing like Moriarty. What made Moriarty so dangerous was that he was a simple college professor, or so it seemed. He never took direct action in the crimes he committed. He simply planned them and had others act them out. Uh, that's what made him so dangerous in Holmes's mind. And while Basil and Radigan's confrontation is supposed to reflect the final problem, Basil doesn't sacrifice himself to kill Radigan. Perhaps this dumbing down of the character and their actions was done because it's a children's movie, but I just didn't like it. I do believe that the animation still holds up today, even the CGI parts. However, the songs are forgettable. All in all, in giving The Great Mouse Detective a 7 out of 10, it probably should be a 5, but the nostalgia bumped it up for me. That's just how I, you know. That yeah, makes sense. Because um, I, I, the songs are fine. There's only three songs. See, I don't really think of the songs in this one because I don't consider this a movie that's, like, about the songs. Yeah. Like, it's one of those Disney movies where I'm like, oh, there's songs in that? Right. But it like, just, it drove me nuts that they would cut in the middle of the song to do some storytelling the and then go is, back is, to like, the song. Plenty of movies do that that aren't animated. So I think, that, like, this was really trying to take more, like, tones from movies that weren't animated movies where the animated movies usually would just roll through the whole musical number yeah like, well, fair enough all right anything else you'd like to say or no i think we're good okay well this has been the once again podcast any questions comments or critiques can be addressed to our email at once again at gmail.com follow us on our social media accounts once again pod all one word on twitter instagram and tiktok if you'd like to contribute to the podcast, we have several tiers available on patreon.com slash onceagainpod. As always, a like, follow, or share would be greatly appreciated. Thank you and have a wonderful day. And remember, we will entertain you. We will always entertain you. Stiltskin always says that magic comes with a price. But for this price, you can get a nice piece of jewelry. Use code ONCEPOD for 10% off your first order at Unusual Magic Jewelry on Etsy. Click the link in the description.